Thank you for listening to Hot Mike with Houston and Hogan. We have an exciting episode today. We had the opportunity recently to chat with country music legend and superstar Bill Anderson. So let's tune in to Hot Mike with Houston and Hogan. Hot Mike with Houston and Hogan features two radio professionals with over 100 years of broadcasting experience between them. Dave Hogan and Randy Houston are both native Western North Carolinians whose rich voices have been heard in every glade, cove, and holler of Western North Carolina and East Tennessee, primarily on AM radio. And between the two of them, they've worked in just about every radio format. As you can imagine, these guys have tons of stories about the day-to-day of live radio and the interactions they've had with listeners and entertainers while they were immersed in, at the time, one of the most influential and informative mediums available. Those experiences will be featured in this podcast series. Check the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts with Randy and Dave on Hot Mike with Houston and Hogan. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Hot Mike with Houston and Hogan. I'm the Randy Houston part of this uh, episode. Hi, everybody, and a big Hogan howdy from Hogan Holler. Dave, we are excited to death to have a special guest on our show today, and I I want you to do like you've done many, many times on radio and on stage. I want you to introduce our guest for us. Ladies and gentlemen, make welcome Whispering Bill Anderson. Hello, Bill. Hey, guys. How are you? Doing fantastic. There comes old Bill Anderson. All he'll want to talk about is those Georgia Bulldogs, that football team that won the national championship. So if, if he starts talking about the Bulldogs too much, we'll do our best to get him off the subject. Well, all, all I can say, guys, is if uh, if we had a camera, you would zoom in close and see that I'm wearing my Georgia Bulldog hat. <laughs> but now I'll tell you what. Uh, I, I lived a lot of years and worked a lot of years in East Tennessee, and my daughter Gina is a, a University of Tennessee graduate, and I've got an investment down there in Knoxville, and we are coming after you Bulldogs on the 18th day of November, Uh-oh. so watch out. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I'll put our English Bulldog up against that chick uh, hound of yours anytime. <laughs> You've got to have a little soft uh, place in your heart for the Vols, right? Just a little bit, since you are a tennis, live in Tennessee. Well, let, let's just put it this way: uh, I, I don't wish them any bad luck, but they are not at the top of my priority. <laughs> I love it. I love it, <laughs> Bill. Before we go down to Commerce, Georgia, and talk about your early days as the disc jockey, for instance, and and some other uh, songs or some songs that you wrote early on in your career. Let's talk about this song that you and Dolly have out now that uh, was nominated for a Grammy, and you went out to the West Coast to the Grammys, right? Yes, I did, and came back empty-handed. Well, Aaron Neville won that award, and like I said in an email to you, Dad Gummit, as my grandfather used to say, <laughs> Dad Gummit, you and Dolly should have won. Tell us well, about that you're song. Very, you're very kind to say that. I'm just sitting here wondering how Aaron Neville and I got in the same category. <laughs> I thought the same thing. The song is called. The song is called "Someday It'll All Make Sense," and that song is. 
is, uh, you know, one of the things I miss since I retired from radio, I didn't retire from life, but I retired from doing a daily radio show. And the first time I heard that, I, th- I, I thought to myself, I can't wait to get in the studio tomorrow morning and, and play that, share it with our listeners. And then it dawned on me that I'm retired and I can't do that. But that's a fantastic song that's touching a lot of people. Tell us how the song came about. Thank you. Well, I co-wrote the song with um, a young writer named Ryan Larkins. And remember that name, because I think you're going to be hearing a good bit about him. He's very talented. He's a good writer, good singer, and uh, and really a good guy. Ryan Larkins, a longtime buddy of mine named Bobby Tomberlin, and I wrote that song together. And we wrote it right back just before the pandemic hit. We wrote it like in November, I think it was, of 2019. And of course, by February, March of 2020, we were all experiencing something we had uh, never gone through. It seemed like the perfect song to sing the first night they asked me to be on the Opry when we did the Opry without an audience. I don't know if you remember back during 2020 when uh, we would go to the Opry house and play to an empty auditorium. And the song, Someday It'll All Make Sense, uh, seemed to really fit, especially when we were just beginning to find out about the COVID and all the things that it was about to bring into our lives. We didn't write it for the pandemic or anything, but it, it kind of fit that time. And then we realized it, it fits a lot of times in a lot of people's lives. And that's what good music and especially good country music does. It's, it's music that people can identify with. And I cannot tell you how many people have told me how much this song has meant to them. I was so thrilled that Dolly agreed to come in and sing on it with me. She loved the song. I thought our voices blended pretty well. And I mean, I'm no Porter Wagner, but uh, I, I told you. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Your voices blend so, so beautifully. And for those people who haven't heard the song, uh, pull it up. You can find it on, uh, on the Internet without any problem at all. And I think all of us at some time during our life have, have maybe uh, – uh, struggled with our faith. Uh, we've we've doubted things. We've wondered about things, and that's what this song is all about. Well, it is, and it's it's a reassuring type thing uh, when you get right down to it, because it doesn't say we'll never understand it, we'll never figure it out. It doesn't say we're right or wrong or whatever. It just says, you know, someday it'll all make sense. We'll all understand it. And I think that's kind of what faith is all about anyway, that someday we're going to understand all of this stuff. Kind of reminds me of that old song that uh, your Methodist minister grandfather probably sang a lot, uh, that old gospel song, Farther Along. Well, we thought that when we wrote the song, and we were trying to stay away from making it sound like Farther Along, but it is that kind of a message. It is that, you know, we don't necessarily understand it all today, but farther along someday uh, hopefully we will another song let's talk a little bit about that is touching a lot of lives until the light comes on again tell us about that song the inspiration for the song and what it's meaning to a lot of people well i had a very special lady in my life when i wrote that song we had been together for 12 years known each other for 40-something years and had a, a, a great relationship, wonderful friendship. And 
she discovered or they discovered on her behalf uh, about 10 years into our 12-year relationship that, uh, that she had cancer and we thought in the beginning, of course, as everybody does, I guess, you know, you're going to knock this out. You're going to go in with the chemo and the various things that they're going to do. And you're going to put the, the cancer in your, your rear view mirror. And for a while, she was, was able to do that. And then as we kind of began to realize that maybe we weren't going to come out as clean on the other side as we had hoped. The only thing I knew to do for her and to say to her, I just felt so helpless. And I was thinking one day, well, what do I say? How do I communicate my feelings to her? And I realized, you know, I've spent a lifetime communicating my feelings through music, through songs. And so I sat down one night at my house all by myself, and I wrote a song called Until the Light Comes On Again. And the idea was that, uh, honey, I'm going to be here with you and uh, stay with you and stay beside you. And the light is going to come on again. We're not going to be in this darkness forever and I was trying to give her some assurance and reassurance and I think I did I think the song meant a lot to her and I've again with this song as with someday it'll all make sense I've had so many people tell me how the song touched them and and they used it for special people and special occasions in their lives unfortunately Vicky did not survive the cancer and uh, we lost her in January of 2019 but I think along the way, uh, hopefully, the song gave everybody a, a little lift and maybe a little inspiration, and hopefully uh, it touched some people other than just me and her. Let me mention those two titles again because uh, people listening to uh, this podcast may not have heard the songs, and they're available online. Someday, it'll all make sense. Bill Anderson and Dolly Parton, and then Until the Light, comes on Bill Anderson. If you haven't heard those two songs, pull them up and, and listen to them. You'll, you'll listen to them more than one time, I guarantee you. If you, if you can't find them, you know, in the usual places, uh, go to BillAnderson.com because you can find both of them there. Wonderful. Well, Bill, let's go back to your DJ days. Is it true that you got fired for playing a country song on a <laughs> rock and roll show or something of that effect? <laughs> I'll tell you what, if you're going to get fired, uh, you, you can't get fired, number one, for a better reason. And number two, you can't get fired any nicer than I got fired. I had gotten my first radio job in Athens, Georgia. Now, you're going to the University of Georgia at this time? Oh, yes, I was a student there, and it was between my freshman and sophomore years at Georgia. I finally conned somebody into hiring the disc jockey that didn't have any experience, and I got experience real quick. Uh, it was a, a pop-oriented radio station. They didn't play any country music. However, in the past... They had played some country music and actually had quite an extensive country music record library. So uh, I love to play around in that record library. <laughs> See what was in there. I got playing around in there and decided to put one of the records on the air one day or one night, and uh, my boss happened to be listening. Actually, what really, really brought it to a head, he had told me, he knew I loved country music, and I was trying to write it and perform it and all, but he said, we are not a country station, and that's not what we're going to play. And I said, okay, I, I could understand that. I, I wanted a radio job pretty bad, so I, I took it. And, uh, one night, we were broadcasting um, 
an Atlanta Crackers old minor league baseball game on our station. And it started raining in Atlanta. And my instructions in front of me on the radio log said if it starts raining and the game gets rained out or, or canceled for a while, a delayed, put on the air whatever is on the CBS radio network at the time. In other words, don't, don't try to create any new programming. Just say, hey, you know, the ball game is in a rain delay or has been rained out, and we're going to join the programming on the CBS radio network. So that's what I did. I followed my instructions one Saturday night when it started raining in Atlanta. And what was on the CBS radio network was the Louisiana Hayride from Shreveport. We did a whole lot more country than the Louisiana Hayride. And, uh, boy, I was sitting there, I was grooving. I was listening to Johnny Horton and the Browns and Slim Whitman and all the people that were on the Hayride in those days. And, boy, the phone rang and it lit up in there. <laughs> My manager said, get that country music off of my radio station. <laughs> <laughs> What do you want me to put on your radio station? <laughs> and uh, he said, well, just uh, let's put it this way. Just put something on there and meet me in my office at 9 o'clock Monday morning. <laughs> and I did, and he, he told me he was very nice. Couldn't have been nicer. He said, I know you want to play country music, but we're just not going to play it here. And then he told me, he said, there's a little town about 18 miles north of here called Commerce, Georgia. And he said, a friend of mine's about to put a radio station on up there, and I know they're going to play country music, and I'm going to call and recommend to him that he audition you, give you a chance to uh, to be part of the staff up there. And he did. I auditioned. I got the job. And I guess the rest is history. Well, Bill, when you were in commerce, you uh, were, what, 19 years old when you Climbed up, or uh, I don't know, did the hotel have an elevator there in Commerce where you went onto the roof and looked out over Commerce, Georgia, which is not all that large, and, and wrote City Lights? Well, the elevator didn't go all the way to the top floor, uh, <laughs> kind of like my elevator. It didn't. <laughs> but uh, I got up to the third floor, which was the top floor of this little hotel, and then there was a stairway that I could take up onto the roof. And I would go up there a lot of times at night. I lived in this little hotel, and I would go up there at night and take my guitar and just sit up there and strum and sing to the night air. And that's where I happened to write the bright array of city lights as far as I can see. And that's what jump-started Bill Anderson's career in the music business. Who was the first person to call you Whispering Bill? I don't know, but at the time I wanted to shoot him. Um, <laughs> Don Bowman actually was the first one to call me that. Don was a little comedian on my television show, and he started calling me that, and he would go up and visit with Ralph Emery at night when every disc jockey in the country listened to Ralph on WSM. And, uh, Ralph started calling me Whispering Bell, and then all the other disc jockeys picked it up. I tell you, in the beginning, it really kind of bothered me, and I thought, well, they're making fun of me, and uh, and it kind of hurt my feelings. But I came to realize later on, Bill Anderson is a very common name. I bet you everybody listening could probably look in their local phone book and find a Bill Anderson or a William Anderson or something, you know, Billy Anderson, something very similar. Bill Anderson's a very common name, but Whispering Bill kind of gave me that little hook 
where it kind of said something, you know, it kind of set me apart a little bit. And so looking back on it now, I'm very thankful that he started calling me Whispering Bill. I, I got a unique name, and I didn't have to change my name to Conway Twitty. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Hey, you mentioned the the Atlanta Crackers uh, baseball. Uh, and, and before I, I forget it, we'll get back to your music in a moment. The first game, baseball game, I ever saw on TV was the Atlanta Crackers playing the Chattanooga Lookouts. This must have been back in uh, the mid-50s sometime. Did you get over and see any of the Atlanta Cracker games when you were living close to Atlanta and growing up there? Oh, yeah. My dad took me to my first baseball game when I was, let me think, I would have been about eight or nine years old uh, that summer, the first summer that we lived in Atlanta. I was born in South Carolina, but my parents moved back to Georgia, which is where they were from. And my dad took me to an Atlanta Crackers game. And oddly enough, it was the Atlanta Crackers against the Chattanooga Lookouts. That's wow. the first small game I ever saw. But you of know, course, the Southern League was the Nashville Vols, and yeah. later on, saw some Nashville games as well. But yeah, we didn't have, I mean, my goodness, the Braves were in Boston back in those days. They hadn't even gone to Milwaukee. And they were the Boston Braves, and we never dreamed that someday the Braves would be in Atlanta, but there they are. Uh, they had a player, it's the only name I remember from that uh, that ball game that I watched, the first one on TV, and they, for some reason the name has stuck with me all these years. His name was Paul Rambone. Paul Rambone was a third baseman or second baseman. Anyway, he was an infielder. And that name has always stuck with me. He never made it to the majors. But I think it was, uh, I think Pete Van, Re- Van Weeren hosted a, a program, and they saluted the 1954 Atlanta Crackers baseball team. And they mentioned uh, the, the players from that team who had passed, and, and uh, Paul Rambone was one of them. Yeah, but I remember the name. I, I don't remember anything about him, but I do remember that name. It's a hard name to forget, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> be a pretty good DJ name, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah I can quote a lot of names of the old Atlanta Crackers. It wouldn't be anybody but me. But <laughs> somebody Most of- a few weeks ago sent me a, a, a license plate. I don't know where they found it, but somebody had manufactured a license plate with the the old logo of the Atlanta Crackers written just like they used to to write it back in the old days, you know, on the uniforms and everything. And I've got that license plate hanging on my wall in my den downstairs. I wouldn't take anything for that. It's hanging next to my Braves license plate, but I think (laughs) Atlanta Crackers one means more to me than the Braves one does. In your uh, early writing career, you – Mostly wrote by yourself. Uh, I, I know one song, Saginaw, Michigan, I think you uh, co-wrote with Don Wayne. Is that right? Yeah. I used to take these guys, uh, one of my many sidelines, trying to make a little money as a DJ, you know, make a little extra money. I put together these fishing trips to uh, fly in fishing trips to uh, Canada. And I remember one time we had a guy, I can't remember his last name, first name was Bobby. And he always took his guitar, and he made two or three trips with me. And sometimes we'd go up through Michigan, 
And we get to Saginaw, and he'd start singing Saginaw, Michigan. And I had to listen to Saginaw, Michigan for a whole week. Before the week was out, everybody on the bus knew Saginaw, Michigan. How did that song come about? <laughs> well, they probably hated it if they heard it all that much. Don Wayne started that song. Don's a great was a great writer. He's passed away now. He wrote the country song of the year. I think it was about seventy four, called "Country Bumpkin." Uh, he had a lot of big songs in his career. He came to me one day and he said, "I've got a song started that I don't know how to finish." He said, "I wonder if you'd like to take a shot at finishing it." And I said, "Lord Don, you're a you're a great writer. What makes you think I could finish something that you can't finish?" He said, "I don't know. I've just kind of." come up against the wall and I can't really figure out where to go with this story. He said, would you listen to it? And I said, sure. So he took a guitar and sang it to me and I was very intrigued by it. Oddly enough, I mentioned that I'm originally from South Carolina. We lived in a duplex in Columbia, South Carolina when I was a young boy and we shared the duplex with a couple who were in Columbia because he was in the army stationed at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, right outside of Columbia. And they were from Saginaw, Michigan. So from very early on in my life, I was familiar with the name of the town Saginaw, Michigan at the time. I'd never been there, but uh, that was certainly a name that I was familiar with. And that was and Lefty I, Frizzell's <laughs> last number one record, right? Yes, it was. And, and I remember uh, when Don showed me the song. I, I, I was very intrigued by it. And I said, well, I'll try to finish it. And, uh, and I took it and wrote the part towards the end there where the, where the guy really doesn't find the gold up in Alaska and he comes back and the old man uh, gets fooled and goes up there looking for the gold that he never found. And while he's gone, the, the boy marries his daughter, <laughs> which is kind of a convoluted story, but it worked, and uh, Don liked it, and I was originally going to record the song. I wanted to record it real bad, but I couldn't get to it uh, before Lefty Frizzell heard it somewhere, and he recorded it, and Don Wayne was very gracious and put my name on this song as a co-writer, uh, because I actually did write the last half of the song. Well, Bill, I think we have to take a break. Is that right, Randy? Yes, I'm enjoying talking and listening to you guys here. But we do need to take a little short break. And uh, uh, remember, this podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. And our guest is uh, the great, legendary Bill Anderson. Whispering Bill. And we have only just begun. We want you to uh, come back and join us for another podcast that we'll be uploading and another conversation with the great Bill Anderson here on Hot Mike with Houston and Hogan. Be sure to click the subscribe button for another episode of Hot Mike with Randy Houston and Dave Hogan.